All right, we got Ben Campbell here from Campbell Painting, and I am so excited to have you here. Thank you. I, I mean, appreciate it. This is exciting. Made all the drive, the drive all the way out. I appreciate you. Love it. Yeah, no, and coming to the house, getting to see it for the first time, that's always really exciting. Mm-hmm. But this is also, and not to put any pressure on you, but yeah. this is the first in-person, like, dual podcast that I've done this way. All Everything up to this point has I'm been honored. Zoom or, like, over the phone. So Thank excited you. to have you here. That, that means a lot. Thank you. Appreciate it. But, you know, I think the reason why I invited you on was, is obviously, you know, been a fan of you just even since meeting you at the gym through Nick Mm -hmm. and then seeing what you've been able to do with Campbell painting is just amazing. Right. And so I don't want to say anything else other than you're killing it in business and you're growing a really cool team. And that's why I wanted you on here is I wanted to share your story and maybe some of the philosophies or things that you do on a daily to create the team, grow the team, manage the team like you're doing to create the business success you have. Thank you. So let's tell a story. Yeah. First, appreciate you saying those kind words, man. That means a lot. Thank you. Um, so yeah, how did I, how did I get into the painting industry? Cause it's not something like you're like, I want to be a painter when I grow up, you know, a lot of people want to be astronauts and doctors and lawyers. Well, I went the other route and it's because, and I feel like it's because what you grow up with is what you're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of just get used to it. And then that's where you go. So um, my family, my grandpa started the first paint store in Alaska in 1954 down on F Street um, called Ralph's Paint Shop. He came up here when the only paved road in Alaska or in Anchorage was Fourth Avenue. Everything else was dirt roads everywhere else. So it's like w- super cool story there. So he started Ralph's Paint Shop and then he later closed that down and then started Curtis and Campbell in 1966. And it used to be right there on uh, C Street and Northern Lights. You know where KFC is in the corner? Yep. It was just down in, the, in that strip mall. And I forgot And he started, I forgot when he started that in 66, but I forgot when they built the new building on C Street behind uh, Granger. Mm-hmm. But then he, he, they built that. Then my dad and my uncle, my dad got out of the Navy, my uncle graduated college, and they moved back to Alaska and bought it from my grandpa in 77. So then they took it over. They ran it until 2006. So in 2006 was my senior year in high school. Yep. So in 2002 to 2006, I was there stocking the paint. I was mixing the paint. I was selling the paint. I, was, I knew everything about paint because I was around it all the time. That was my, that was my first job. Mm-hmm. And so, but in 2006, and big box stores came up, big corporations, right. everything came up. So it was really hard for the mom and pop shops to compete. So they had to sell. So they sold the Spinard Builder Supply, SBS. So there was never a chance for me to buy it, in which my dad never wanted to sell it to me. He wanted me to do something different, which now I'm back in paint. <laughs> but um, they sold it to SBS. And that was a good buy. It was a good buy for all around. But SBS just last year, and we don't know if it's due to COVID or whatever, they just closed Curtis and Campbell. And they've been in business for 56 years. And I think it's a credit to my family just having how many businesses you know have been around for 56 years, except like the Wells Fargo's and the things like that. Right. So it's a credit to that. But they sold it. So in 2006, after I graduated, went to college, Santa Barbara City College, Vaqueros. Um, I got my degree, came back in 2008, nine, and then my brother was started Campbell Painting. Uh, but he started it, and he was he was a volunteer firefighter, and he went out to uh, he he was doing it in Girdwood, and he would do like maybe ten houses in a summer. He kind of just did it as a side gig. I worked for him in one summer in 2009. 
And then in 2010, he left, got a full-time firefighting uh, job. And then I, 2010 to 2023, 13 years later, here I am. And we, and that's where I've, we've just started, we, that's in 2000 and, uh, yeah, 10, I took it completely over and we're not a paint store. We're painting contractor. We were applying right. paint. So I just want to clarify that. So that's just how it is. It's like a carpenter is the, his family owned a lumber yard, completely different industries, right. but you know, it's, it's how you're comfortable with it. So, right. So paint store now painter. Yes. Right. So big difference, but obviously in the same field. Right. Orthodontist and dentist. Both work on teeth. Completely different though. Right. Yeah. One's cosmetic. Yeah. One's for look. Yeah. And then the other is like the real stuff. Keeping, yeah. You know, the maintenance. Mm-hmm. So I guess what I'd love to, before we even go into, so 2010 to now, so you've been running the company for 13 years. Yeah. Tell me from, you know, start one, was it just you and a paint truck? You know, did you know a couple people that you got started with? Like, mm-hmm. talk me through that 13 years to where you are now. Sure, sure. Uh, 2010, completely me. And I'll say this to anyone, do not hire your friends because it's a different emotion for them and you. Right. But so I hired, a, a, actually the first time I hired Saul, Saul Jacob and my cousin, Paul Campbell. And they worked for me and it was one of the funnest summers because we didn't know we technically didn't even know what we were doing so much, but we we figured it out. It was it was a blast. So there's two guys, and we were in it's Alaska, so you're busy in the summertime. And then I hired a couple more friends. They worked for me for a couple of years, and I had to let them go, and that was not fun. Um, but after the after I let them go, I swore I'll never hire a friend again. And we went from you know two employees back in 2010. Right now we're currently 24, 25. So we run seven crews and it went from how I got my business was, you know, how anyone starts their business is family, family and their family friends. It's like, Hey, I need my living room painted. So, okay, we'll come over. And, uh, Alaska's always behind on like everything. Mm-hmm. And there was no presence online back in 2010 for painters. This is like zero presence. I mean, like, because there was so much work on big commercial stuff. Now the painters did a whole lot of residential stuff. Right. And so by me starting in 2010, getting my online presence is just helped me leap and balance above people because I got that start before they everyone else started in 2016 and everything else. And so that was a really big moving forward, moving step forward for me when I started getting a real big presence online. And that's just this day and age, everything's online. Yeah. How different did online look in 2010? And what were you doing then versus what you're doing now? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, 2010, it's like you got one page website and that's like it. And it's like call to get an appointment and they call my cell phone, you know, so it's me picking it up and I'm driving my truck. So that's where but it was still there. And and then you start with the Google reviews and that's that's a big thing. Um, But for now, oh, my gosh, everything we have everything automated. So you go to our website you pick the day and time you want me to show up, enter in all your information. They get the uh, the reminder. I get the reminder. It gets put right in my schedule. We show up the exact time they want us to. We write the proposal up right on the spot. They hit accept, and then it gets automated into our project managing app, and then it gets automated into our clock-in system, and it gets put into our customer list, and then it gets put into... I'm already forgetting there's something else. There's so many... Like, it just all automates into everywhere. So where'd that come from, right? Because that's not typical contractors, painters, this world that you live in. Right. Like already one, 
you know, website being in the digital space mm-hmm. early 2010, mm-hmm. you know, where did that come from? Was that, you know, just intrinsically you? Was that at school? Like, was there someone else doing it in your life that made you push to do that? Or that was just you? Yeah, like, no, it's perfect because I was, I was the stereotypical painter where I was so stressed about picking up phone calls all the time and it was getting to be so much I couldn't handle it. And I, it, it, I don't know exactly how it happened, but there was a, there, because Facebook markets you because I'm a painter. I found a business coach that had a big painting company down in Florida. His name is Steve Burnett with DYB Coaching. And I contacted him. The guy's brilliant. He knows so much about painting and the automation and just the company culture and everything, everything to do with the painting business. And I contacted him and he set me up with all of his systems that he used that he did down in Florida. He set me up with all of these different strategies. And it's just helped me. And that was in 2000 and. It's been three or four years now. He's been my business coach. And that has just expanded me substantially. I was always skeptical about having like a business coach. I'm like, well, right. I, I know what it is. There's so many knowledgeable people out there that have already done all the hard work for us that know exactly what to do to make give you the easy route. Right. And so a big credit to Steve Burnett at DYB. That guy is, he's the man. So Yeah, I mean, I always talk about mentorship, right? Yeah. Like you have to find... You know, sometimes, you know, there's a lot of people in our base like, well, how do you know what to do? Like, that's why I asked that. And for me, like the first layer of anything is I only take advice from people that are doing the thing or they're at the place that I would want to be. Yeah. Right. Like I kind of yeah. make the joke all the time, single people giving relationship advice yeah. to married couples like and they take it. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. No, right. Not at all. And so this business coach, you know, obviously what you paid for was his experience. Yes. Right. Like, absolutely. you know, and what does that do? It contenses your time. Yes. Which is huge. And so he was the one that fueled this motivation. Do you still like do calls? Are you still in something connection to him to keep getting filled up or keep, you know, keeping you fresh in a way that's keeping you on the edge versus getting complacent? Yes, absolutely. We do a phone call once a week. And every time I talk to him, I swear to God, there's something more. I'm just like, is it like clicks? I'm like, absolutely. You know, like and I yeah. get all excited about it. You know, that's perfect. That's brilliant. You know, and he, he always just, yeah, he has a different point of view. And what's nice is he's been through all this, like we talked, but he he sees both sides, but he honest, if I'm going to have a, a business coach or something else, you know, and we're paying them money, but he truly cares too, which is really nice. He's not just doing it for the money. He's actually looking out for my best interest. And it, it's just amazing. Like I, I can't speak more highly about him. I don't know. But yeah. Well, and you got to think the relationship you build with someone that helps create that much impact into you, right? Like one call a week, 52 weeks yeah. a year mm-hmm. for four years. Like mm-hmm. you got to know that person very well. Yeah. And Probably he makes even- a trip once up to Alaska once a year. He comes up here and we go around and see the guys and we have a like jam sessions together and what we can do and what we can fix here and what do we want to do here in the future. It's really cool. Right. So what are some things that are on your radar for the future? Like where you are right now, you're super automated, you're digital, you, mm-hmm. s- you do a great job on social media. Obviously, I see that and... I'd say that's saying something considering I spend a lot of time in marketing and <laughs> digital marketing. But cool. what's what's some of the things on your radar that you're looking ahead that are next for you in mm-hmm. this space? Mm-hmm. It's awfully it's still expanding because we're we're at 24. But if you look at if you go online now, there's what? How many painters? A hundred painters on there. Mm-hmm. So it means there's a hundred other people bidding jobs that I can capture market share. So I'm I still want to expand. I want to be the biggest painting contractor in Alaska. Hands down. I want to be like, hey, you need a painter? And the first thing that clicks into your head is Campbell painting. 
You know, that's literally the first thing. It's just in the state. And then maybe I've talked to one other person that used to work for me, too. Uh, we were thinking about opening up a, um, like a little pilot company down in Oklahoma. He moved to Oklahoma and he's like, hey, I'm just working for a hospital right now doing painting and maintenance. He goes, I see what you're doing. Can we do this down here? I'm like, give me a year to kind of. Yeah, I said yes, but I said, give me a year. And I would really highly think about starting a pilot store down there. I can teach you all of my ways, kind of give the mentorship to you that I've gotten and still get from Steve. And let's open up, you know, start small down there, but go to Oklahoma. Why not? That would be the first one to branch out. And I've already like done my research. There's like, I don't know if Oklahoma's more behind in Alaska on times, but there's like zero presence online with painters in Oklahoma. So it was, so that expanding. And then I'm still just recruiting like all get out. Like I rec- literally, everyone thinks it's funny. It's like, what do you do every day? I go, I literally interview people and I do bids all day. I'm interviewing, interviewing, trying to give more manpower for us to really be able to expand to that point that I want to be. Yeah. So like, I'm glad you said that because 24 people, seven crews that, I mean, for anyone that doesn't know, that's actually like big deal mm-hmm. for that. This is, that's a hard area for people in your space, right? Mm-hmm. I can call up a plumber right now and be like, Hey, if you doubled your staff, how full would you be? And be like, Oh, I'd still be booked for a year. Right. right? Like, and it's because staffing is so hard in mm-hmm. your guys' space. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the things that you feel like are allowing you to have that success of, like you said, you had a diverse team, you have, you know, loyal, like you've had lots of people that have been with you for a long time. Yeah. yeah. What are some of the differentiators that you feel like are leading to that success? A couple of things. First is you hire for character, hands down. Like I, I will not, I'm, I almost not, I shouldn't say never, but I'm very rare that I actually interview qualified painters. Because think about it. I mean, when you when you think of a nurse, you think someone's great, you know. When you think of a CPA, you're like, oh yeah, they're they're good people. What, what do you think when you think of painter? You kind of you be honest. You're just a drunk, you know. Yeah. It's just like the kind of person you don't want in your house. Yeah. And so I, I go after a lot of food industry people or um, uh, landscapers or general labor like that, where they're kind of just getting the runaround. They can't be. They just hired in the summer and they can't work in the winter. And I hire them for character. And then also, the other thing I've figured out is A players are free. So if you pay better than what everyone else is saying, they're going to make you money anyways. So pay them more than what industry standards are, and they're free to you. Right. So I always start off people higher than what they're usually the industry standards. Even my leads are high. Oh, gosh. They're they're fantastic. I love my leads are just the best. But, um, I pay them more than what the industry standard is, and they bust their butt for me. It's 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 a very uh, I, I never got that whole logic where you try to pay your employees the absolute le- least amount for your overhead. Then what if they worked? It took their job a day longer than what it's supposed to. You're, it's you're paying less if you pay them more money and they get the job done quicker. You know, so A players are free, and yeah. I got a bunch of A players. So so you hire for character. Mm-hmm. What's that mean? Like, what's that mean to you? What are things when you're in an interview, when you're talking, you know, eyeball to eyeball to someone, what's character? What stands out to you in those people? Yeah. So it's a lot of it's gut feeling, honestly. Um, But when you're talking to them, you you can really get a a sense of who they are. And we we have some interview questions. And one of them I I like to ask is, um, have you ever been on a job site and something went badly? 
And I'm really looking for like empathy in them where they're like, oh yeah, you know, this really happened. It's not the victim part where it's like, yeah, my boss told me to do this and I didn't want to do it. Or, you know, they, they, the whole victim mentality is not great for a job environment. I want more empathy, more just kind of trusting, more, you know, it's kind of funny. I hired this kid named Tristan and I loved it that he's smiling the entire time in the interview. He's just the smiley, smiley mm-hmm. kid who that's exactly what we want to do. We want to make the customer feel as comfortable as possible when we're in their home. We're bringing five people into your house. It's super intimidating. Most of the time, it's the wife home alone for residentials. Right. So it's super intimidating for him. So we have our three core goals or our uh, commitments for Campbell Painting are show up on time when the customer is expecting us. Do the job we're paid to do at our high standards and make the customer feel as comfortable as possible at all times. And we do those three things. You'd be People will pay more money than the other guy, hands down, a, a majority of the time. Yeah, I believe that. You know, you've said it a couple of different times and I want to highlight it because I don't know if everyone can catch it. But like trust is such an important part. Mm-hmm. And you've said it like in the bidding process, in the the speed of which you give a bid, right, is like, that builds trust and nothing better builds trust in a new relationship that when you say you're going to do something, you do it when you said you were going to do it. Yeah. Right? So like if you're like, what time do you need to be there for a bid? Okay. You know, this time, this day, yeah. if you show up on that time, immediately trust. Right. Yep. And then when you layer that on to those three different, you know, principles that you said, mm-hmm. that makes a huge difference. Yeah. Before I bump off of, you know, the character, cause I think we could talk a lot on that is so gut, your gut is, in my opinion, a, you know, a compilation of life experiences. Mm-hmm. So when you say gut for you, what are some of those things that have led to that? Like that you have a good gut because you trust your gut, yeah. right? And I always tell people to trust their gut and they're afraid to. So what are some of the things that have allowed you maybe experiences, stories that have led to like that gut experience and really listening to it? Yeah, probably past employees, essentially. I, I mean, for people that I hire for their quality skills more than their character. Like in my industry, a lot of the times it's either you're a really good painter and a bad person or, or you're a not good painter and a good person. I'll take the not good painter and a good person all day, every day. And so when people talk a big game and they say they can do this and they say they can do that, it's like, okay, then why aren't you working somewhere else to start your own thing essentially? So I I don't like arrogance. Um, I like humble like mm-hmm. I said, empathy, empathy yeah. you know, people that really, really care. Um, I hate liars. If something goes wrong, you just tell me straight to the face and I'm with you and I'll have your back all day, every day. Um, you know, <laughs> if they show up on time to the interview when they said they were going to be there, you'd be surprised how many people have just, what was it? It was two, two or three years ago. I, we set up, it was just a hundred interviews. And we got it over, it was over like a month or two or no, over like a three month span. And I think we got 12 people to show up and those people, the hundred confirmed, like Brianna called and confirmed. Yeah, I'll be there. 12 showed up. And I'm just like, these 12 have a really good chance right now. But uh, yeah, it's, yeah, I don't know if I answered yeah. the question. No, no, you did. But. You did. I mean, I was recently just hiring a at like a sales assistant for me at Beacon, and I had 27 interviews in a period of three days, which was brutal. Yeah, and um, all those first 27 showed up right, but of the 27, I asked for them to reach out to me 
on you know X day to follow up because I would have an update for them. Which that's a good idea. Obviously, in a sales type of role, that's always a great thing because follow up is such an important part yeah. of that process. And two <laughs> of the twenty seven, yeah, followed up at that time, yeah. And so immediately, I disqualified twenty five people, which I am grateful for because that makes my job a lot easier. Yeah. But that's like, I mean, that is like the best way to do it, right? Is to set mm-hmm. up, you know, places for people to remove themselves, right? Mm-hmm. I just thankful for not wasting my time, I guess. Yeah. I mean, yeah. No, I agree. But, yeah. But yeah, that's interesting. So when you were saying you have amazing leads. What, I mean, are, is that just through hiring? Is that through the culture you've created in the company? Like, I know you do a lot of things for community, right? Mm-hmm. And I can imagine that the leads probably really feed into that, that which make them serve you more later. Yeah. I mean, what are the things that you feel like that give you these amazing leads? Yeah. Culture, you're, you put it right there. Culture is everything. You know, there, it's yeah. at, and I know each one of my guys personally, you know, I, I know their families, you know, we go and we always will, I like to sit down with each one of them at least every couple months, get a cup of coffee and just check up on them and see how they're doing. Um, but culture is every, we have a company breakfast usually once a month. We have a paint it forward program, which is a really cool program um, where we put it out and people enter in names for someone who's going through tough times or had a loss in their family or something like that, who, who can't afford to paint their or a, a paint job or just doesn't have time. And we've done two of them now. And we got a third one coming up this summer where it's really cool. We, all my guys to get to get together on a Saturday, we they they volunteer their time and we just go in and we paint everything for these people's homes. And you'd be and it's it's just paint on a wall. Like it's nothing crazy, but how appreciative those people are. And then the just the just how how it makes my guys feel too, you know? It's right. really powerful to see them do something back to the community and they love it. And they're already talking about when 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 are we gonna do the next one, you yeah. know? It, that's a really good thing for the culture. Um, we do lots of little things like that, but our, and we do a fishing tournament every year down in yep. Kenai, the Campbell Fish, Campbell Painting Fishing Derby. That's so much fun. The, all the guys get together. They bring their wives, their kids, and everything. And we just have a big old derby. Good old Jake Brzezinski are going down this year. So <laughs> he, was, <laughs> he wins every year. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking of Jake. So Jake's, you know, someone I know, another business owner. He's actually coming on here in a couple of weeks. So I'm excited to have Jake come on. But um, <laughs> I remember like I actually needed help from him or something. And he always is picking up his phone, which leads to trust, right? Yeah. In his business. Like yeah. if I call him, he picks up. And hmm. I just, I'm so grateful for that. But I remember him talking about one year, you know, at your guys' derby. He's like, I'm about to win this thing. Everyone's kind of hung over from the night before and <laughs> yeah. I'm getting up early. I didn't drink at all because I'm getting up early. And- yeah. Oh, yeah. He takes his fishing seriously. <laughs> so funny. So I, I'm curious, right? So you, when you went to school, you got, you went to college. Did you get a degree in business? No, I didn't. Um, so funny thing, I was going for administration to justice, emphasis in law enforcement. And then I switched it the last semester and I think I just got in general studies. Um, and then I came back and, and I was, and that's when I took over Campbell painting, but I still was taking a couple night classes at UAA seeing if I wanted to do something different, but no, not in business. Nope. Okay. Okay. How, I mean, do you feel like college played a big role into your success at Campbell or do you feel like, I mean, I'm sure it did, yeah, right? Because you're going to take it, but mm-hmm. what were some of the big takeaways, you know, from that, that played into that? Cause yeah. obviously it changed, yeah. right? Which it does for a lot of people, but I think it's really important not like, I think a lot of people go to school for maybe two years and then they drop out or they go get a four year degree and then they go do something else. And I don't think that they really embrace probably the benefits that they got from it, even though that they didn't maybe go in that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, 
if I think about my college degree, I mean, my college um, experience, it was really good. Like my education was good. And, but there was three classes that stood out the most to me. It was probably my just business 101, how you write up a business plan, how you're going to uh, present it to the bank and all. That was a really good one. Uh, public speaking was a really good one I did. Mm. And then college algebra where I can actually do proper takeoffs on job sites where most painters don't even have a high school degree and how are they going to bid something accurately? They don't even know what they're bidding. So that was, those are probably the three biggest courses that helped me a lot. But I mean, I still took a lot of BS classes too, like appreciation to jazz. What what am I going to do with that? You know, it's like, yeah, but, but the process is really important. Yeah. Right. You know, I mean, I tend to say like a lot of times and I don't want to diminish school degrees. You know, I'm a high school educated person, don't have a college degree. And, uh, but like, I mean, sticking to something for four years matters too. Oh, absolutely. Right. It really does. Right. Six years, eight years, I don't care how long it takes, you know, if you do stick to it and get it. Right. I agree. I'm I'm not discrediting the college degree either. Right. But you know what I'm saying? I I had a blast in college and I got a good education. I came back. And and when you think about it too, having an associate's really, it's like having a master's degree in the painting industry, you know, because a lot of people don't have any education. Right. So. No, that's cool. So, I mean, it's a lot of sunshine and rainbows what we're talking about here, but we know that's not always the case, right? Mm-hmm. So I would love to hear maybe some adversity or some times that you guys have came up against really hard things and what was that process look like? And then where did it go from that situation? Mm-hmm. A, lot of, a lot of the times business owners feel like they got to be Superman, right? You okay. got to pick up the phone. You got to do the job. You got to deal with the customers. You have to put out the fire. You got to pick up the paint. You got to do all these things. But really, you're being super inefficient and you're stressing yourself out like crazy. I forgot where I read it, but and it changed my life in that aspect of business is you don't hire employees to solve a problem. You hire employees to where your business is growing. And so the two key people I've hired that is just absolutely, absolutely taking my stress level down. It was 50%. Now it's like 90% taking it off was Brianna, my office manager. She's the best. Like, she, my mom worked for me doing the office manager stuff for a little bit. I thought I was set. This is the woman who was on bed rest for me for months because I was a complicated pregnancy. Like my mom is going to take care of me. And she just, she, she wanted to do it, but she wanted to be retired too. So then I hired Brianna and I was like, okay, we'll see how it goes. Brianna puts more effort into it and cares more than my own mother did when sure. she had it for me. She's the absolute rock star when it comes to um, office manager. She does, she picks up all the phone calls. She double checks. She calls in for, uh, to confirm appointments. She's accounts receivable. She's uh, does all the payroll. She does. She literally runs the business in the back end. Mm-hmm. So that's Brianna. And the second one is my new estimator, Kenny. I was doing all the estimates. We'd probably do five or six estimates a day on average. And I was just getting burnt out. You're doing five estimates a day, five days a week. You, you have no time really to, to set up interviews or do anything like that. So I hired on Kenny and he's, he's better than me in estimating with people. Like he's just, he's such a, he's one of those like smiley people too. And he just kills it. And he puts everything he has into it. it there's never the mindset of, oh, he makes so much money. He can afford it. Kenny's like, oh, this is how we can get our, we should get it here. And, and maybe we should do this. And he, he thinks on the other side where we can make, he, how can he make more money? You know, like for the yeah. business and everything. So mm-hmm. Those are the two key things that have just where it was so much stress level because everything was on me, everything, right. even man. And I didn't have to manage my guys because they're so good. But um, there was just so much pressure on me to do so many, wear so many different hats. 
And by hiring those two people has made it so I can hire more people yep. and more people and keep growing laterally to expand and be the biggest painting contractor in Alaska. Yeah, you know, because a lot of people have that mindset, right? Because, you know, if I want it done right, I'm going to do it myself yeah. or, you know, it is my business, so I'm going to do it. And yeah. they have they have a struggle, right, to let go. Right. So, I mean, did you have any struggle in it or was it just easier? Like, nope, take it. It's huge struggle. Huge struggle. Because for the first 10, you know, eight to 10 years, I hired Brianna four, four, year, four or five years ago and Kenny within the last year or two. But you, that was just... Is grooved into your brain. That's what you're supposed to do. Right. This is all I've known to do for the last ten years. This is what I'm supposed to do. When really, you have to. You have to. You have to cut it off. And it mm-hmm. was super hard. It's just like pff, stop. Mm-hmm. But best decision I've made yet. Yeah, I love it. Oh, it'll be better. So you said you read something somewhere, and I know that you are reading right now. I know you know mm-hmm. we're talking about a book. How much does that play in a role to your mindset, your motivation, becoming the biggest painting company in Alaska? Like. You know, does that play a big role? Does oh, it play a small role? No, huge. I'm, I was never a strong reader. Never. Yeah. My entire life, I, I was never reading a lot of books because I never found something that truly interested me. Like a lot of people like to read fantasy books or like go off into that kind of stuff. And I'm like, uh, you know, like I'm climbing Everest. I mean, there's probably cool books, but I could never get into it, sure. you know? And then I picked up my first book I picked up was Darren Hardy, The Compound Effect. Oh, yeah. Compound Effect. I was like, this is awesome. I'm actually learning something and this is easy to read. And then the next one was uh, Atomic Habit. I'm Whoa. like, this is awesome. Yeah, this is so habits. good. And now I'm reading, I mean, I've probably, I've probably read more books in the last four years of my life than I have the previous 30, essentially. Because yep. I found what it, it's something that actually interests me. You know, right. something that I'm bettering myself by doing this. I'm, I'm bettering my guys by reading these books. I was just going to ask that. I know for me, my personal motivation comes from reading has nothing like, do I get something from it? Right. I'm like, Ooh, I can do that, you know, in this next, you know, problem or this situation with my employee. But like what I have found to be the most transformative in reading and where it's become, I'm pulled to read versus I have to push to read. Right. right? Cause I was the same thing as you. It's like, I've never read a fantasy book right? ever. Yeah. Like I've only ever read personal development books, business books, yep. you know, relationship books, mm-hmm. right. For like me and Chelsea. To, to grow in that, right? Because th- that that means something to me. Yeah. I get something from that. Absolutely. But I want to know, like, you know, I'm pulled to read because when I read something, I can almost guarantee if it's a couple paragraphs or a couple pages that day that I read, the next day I'm in life, I use it. Implement it. Right. And when you use it, you see the aha moment in that person or mm-hmm. they're like, oh, that totally resonates. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it because like it's just like, oh, my gosh. If I didn't read that, how would that have not affected that person that day? Yeah. And I would have been further behind. Yeah. Right. So would you say that you've had those similar experiences oh, when reading? Hands down. Like the thing that. is what it, they say, knowledge is power. Well, that's wrong. Knowledge is potential power. Right. You have to implement it and do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's but absolutely. I'm on a dot T with you. Like right. exactly. You're pulled to do it because like it gets late at night, you know, I don't know about you, but I read at night because mm-hmm. it's the only time that I can do it. I used to try to do it in the morning, but it was really hard. Uh, but I read at night before going to bed and, you know, you get to the night and you're like, ah, oh, you know, I don't want to read. But then you're like, oh, but who am I going to talk to tomorrow that I need to help? Mm-hmm. Right. And so then you got to read, you yep. know, and so that's awesome. I'm glad to hear that that is the case. 
Um, and so I guess another thing that I would love to dig into with you is, you know, when it comes to you claiming I'm going to be the biggest painting company, where's the motivation in that? Like, is that just like pure, you know, grit that that's what you want to do? Is there something intrinsically behind you that pushes you to say that goal? Like, where's that coming from? Um, I'm going to get a little, uh, sentimental with you on this Good. one. So, because my family was a small mom and pop shop too. Right. Um, in 2004, um, biz, or in the early 2000s, business was starting to really go down for them, really substantially, because there was Home Depot, there was Lowe's, there was other big painting stores, they're all here. And so then in 2004, we had, or 2002, my freshman year in high school, my parents had to sell our house. We moved into our grandparents' condo because they had to put the money back into the business. And then my parent, all my siblings were at college. So I was the only one there with them the entire time. So they had to sell the house. And then it was not looking good for their paint store because they were just eking a bot, just paying payroll for their employees at the time because there was, it wasn't the boom, the oil boom anymore. Mm -hmm. They weren't the only paint store in the in town anymore. There was freaking, there's 15, 20 other paint stores now. So the competition eat it and they couldn't compete because they were mom. So people could go buy a gallon of paint for 30% cheaper walking in the big box store. So it's really hard for them to compete and it's convenience for people too. They were all the way in Midtown where if you're in South Anchorage coming down the hill, you're just going to pull into Lowe's. If you're on the East side, you're just going to go right there to the Home Depot, you know? So it's convenience for other people. And it, um, it was really uncomfortable for my, to see my parents kind of going through all that. And I don't want to put, I don't want to be put in that same situation. Right. Essentially. So do you think that was, I mean, do you think, I think inherently we're all different, right? And intuitively pick up things or we're more observant in areas. Do you think there was some specific things about that, that you were just, when you're doing it, you're realizing like, this is unusual to me that I'm noticing it and I'm like manifesting that this is going to be something that I'm going to come back to and be like, this is why I did it. Right. Do you, does that make sense? No, say that one more time. So, so what I was saying is, is that like, you know, when 2002, your parents are selling the home, they're mm-hmm. doing all that. That's painful to see. Mm-hmm. Like, do you believe that that's something that manifested in you then? Oh to yeah. Push now where you're doing right now. Yeah. My that was a really uncomfortable time for me. Cause I was the only kid with my parents at the time. I mean, right. they, it's my childhood home being there the whole time. And we was like, all right, we're selling the house. I'm like, what? You know how many parties my siblings got in this house and I don't get to have any parties in here? No, but it's like, it's my childhood home. We sold, we moved in grandma and grandpa's condo. Um, thankfully, um, just being there. I mean, it was, it was a, f- my parents were always fine. They always, we, it's not like we were like eating scraps or food stamps or anything like that. They always made it so we were completely comfortable. Everything was fine, but it was, they had to put, every penny to make it so everything was fine. So, I mean, they didn't have a big retirement to my understanding, but then they sold Curtis and Campbell and that really helped out. Um, It was just really stressful for them and being a freshman in high school and seeing that and not knowing the whole business side of it, but still seeing the aspect of it was kind of stressful and impactful on me. But I'm willing to bet most 16-year-old boys don't manifest that like maybe you did is my point. Yeah. Right? I'm not taking that. I'm not saying that others can't. I'm just saying like you notice things like that, right? Mm -hmm. 
you know, how big of a role has your parents played into your continued motivation for the things that you're doing? Obviously, your parents are still together, right? Oh, yeah. You know, and so that probably has played a big role mm-hmm. into you, right? Yep. I think they're being married 50 years coming <sighs> up here in the next year. I think it's, they've been together. My mom has dealt with my dad for 50 years. <laughs> so, um, and, and my parents have a very old school mentality, too. My mom was raised on, raised on a farm. And my dad owned a small business for 30 years. So they worked and earned everything. Right. Everything they worked and earned for. And so, and they raised all their four kids with the same characteristics. You know, it's like, okay, you can't be lazy. Let's go. We got chores, you know, let's get off the couch, you know, let's, let's do our stuff. Let's get our work done first. And then you can go outside, outside and play and and do that stuff. But yeah, they were, my my parents are awesome. Like they're, they're, (laughs) well, they're like the stereotypical old school married couple happy TV show. Like it's, it's, yeah, it's pretty cool. And they're obviously not renting their house now from grandma. They're no. in their own home yeah. and doing good, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're, they retired. They're good. They go to Hawaii for three weeks and then come back in Alaska for a month. And then they go to Arizona for three weeks and then they come back for a month because they don't want to be away from the grandkids more than a month, you right. know? So they, but they just, they have a couple places and timeshares and friends down in other states. They stay with them. So. Yeah. What about, so it's, you're a family of four, right? Mm-hmm. So what are, where's the other three? Where, where are your brothers and sisters doing? What are they doing? Michael is Anchorage Fire Department. Yep. Firefighter. Uh, my sister Gina is a occupational therapist. Okay. And then my sister Corey is a massage therapist and has her own, um, it's a clinic. I don't know, store I don't know, on uh, Northern Lights right next to the Rustic Goat. Are they all here in Alaska? All of us. All four kids in Alaska. So mom, awesome. They got all of them. So our Christmases are ridiculous because it's not just our four kids. All the cousins are in Alaska too. And now all the grandkids. It's an, we have, We're going to have to start renting out convention centers here soon yeah. <laughs> because of how many people come to our Christmases and Thanksgivings and Easters. How important is family to you? Oh, it's everything. I mean, why do you work to make this money if you don't spend it on the people you love? Like it. it that's like Chelsea and I, the kind of joke is we work so we can buy cabins for our kids. Right. You know, like we don't like a lot of people like, Oh, I want to become partner. I want to, you know, do this. I mean, I obviously want to be the biggest painting company in Alaska, but my, I want to be able to like, we got the place in Nancy Lake going up there. My Chelsea and I talk about how cool it is that Tice and Georgia will never know not having Nancy Lake their, their entire lives. They'll know they had a lake cabin that they've been, they can jump in the water and hopefully get jet skis sometime, but I'm so in debt by buying that cabin. But, uh, you know, doing all these fun things. And that's, that we go up there all the, every, almost every single weekend, just us four. Yeah. And that's all we do is we just hang out, yeah. watch VHS movies and go outside. Love it. <laughs> For clarification, Ben's wife is also named Chelsea. So, oh, yes, yes, that's true. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Ken so, and Ben have married Chelsea's. <laughs> yeah, Chelsea's. So, just for the clarifications, because yeah. lots of people, you know, obviously Chelsea comes into a lot of these other podcasts. So, yeah. that's really interesting. So, okay, so family's everything mm-hmm. and a lot of motivation behind that. Would you say you have a bigger why than the family for you? Uh, no, I'd probably say my family. And then the next why is to not have that uncomfortable feeling that my parents went through. Yeah, no, definitely. Is your, Are you doing anything, you know, to set up the foundation to make sure that that never happens? Like, are you creating something within a way that could be, you know, recession proof or, you know, fallout proof in a way? Are you doing or, you know, planning ahead anyway in, in a, 
to achieve that? Yeah, it's our all of our systems in place. Yep. Um, our customer list is growing every day, and most most businesses have their customer list, but they don't jump on it. It's like those are people that are proven to you that they like you, they trust you, and they paid you. Why not keep them in mind in the future? You right. know, and so we we have a lot of other things. Um, I mean, a lot of other things, but there's a lot of little systems and process that we do um, follow, like you're saying, yeah. follow ups and um, the pain of four is really big for my Shoot. guys. Um, we, uh, I do kind of like this. I do a community spotlight, you know, you know, Zig Ziglar, it's, yeah. you'll get everything you want in life if you help enough other people get what they want. Yeah. Like how you're doing to me. I really appreciate this where you're interviewing me because a lot of times I'll go to my other friends and people I know that own businesses and I'll do the same kind of thing and then share it to all the people I know, right. you know? So those are those are the kind of main things. Well, and you just bought a property, right? For like a warehouse. Yes. Right? So, I mean, that's a huge part, right? Yeah. And so keeping that, you know, and establishing that is a huge fan oh, thing yeah. because land, I mean, you can't buy, and that's prime land. That you in got. Anchorage, I1 property. They're not making any, there's no more I1 property. Whatever's in Anchorage, that's it. Yeah. But it was work. <laughs> it was a lot of, and it's still a lot of work. But right. We're getting there. But I mean, I always talk about movers and shakers, right? Where they just move. And I know when you told me this story, but I want to repeat it for, you know, everyone listening in is like, you know, let's talk through that because from my from my understanding, when you told me that story, saw this property and you just were like, "All right, let's do it." Right? Mm-hmm. You know, there wasn't a crazy amount of research, there wasn't a crazy amount of vetting, which I'm sure we always do that. Mm-hmm. There's some due diligence, but there was a lot more probably unknowns than knowns right. w- when you went into this, right? Right. So, like, tell that story of you just like jumping into this, and now it's going to be so worth the future of yeah. what you're doing for Campbell Painting. Absolutely. So, yeah, I bought it. I had to buy a piece of property with a very old building on it with, uh, he was actually in business. It was a business in Alaska through the boom um, Mm -hmm. and they closed down 2017, but I had to buy it as is with everything on it. I mean, all of his tools, there was pumps, motors, portable toilets, but Connexes full of chemicals, but the kind of, he did like septic and water cleaning chemicals. So it wasn't like anything really bad. It was the purifying water and, how to clean this up, like composting toilets. So, so it wasn't like it was going to kill me, but it's a substantial amount of chemicals that we had to get rid of. And when you get rid of them, you got to hire a company to get rid of them. So I did a bunch of networking because they're all it was all brand new stuff in the bag, in the buckets, nothing wrong with it, just sitting there. So just to be clear, if you had to pay to get rid of that so you can then use the space the way you want to use it, how much was that? They gave me an estimate and they said between eighty dollars and $120,000. <laughs> Which you bought the place for like a couple, like 300000 or yeah, whatever. So like yeah. it was like 30% of the price or yeah. 40% of the price. Yeah. Okay. And so, but then you did some networking. That networks, I was like, somebody has to use this stuff. Right. So, I mean, because that's why he was selling this stuff. And so I, I, I'm in Rotary. I found a lady on Rotary that um, was talking about uh, wastewater treatment plants that they would send out to little villages to treat water and everything. And I went up to her, I was like, I have all these chemicals that you can use. She goes, Oh no, 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 we don't want them. I'm like, do you know anyone? She goes, why don't you try this guy's number? And I called this guy and this guy's like, Oh, that's pretty interesting. He goes, well, we don't need them. I was like, do you know anyone that needs them? He goes, Oh yeah, I think I know a guy that that could use them. And then I contacted that guy. And then he was like, yeah, I mean, you have so much of it. I'll use it for the next 80 years. I'm like, I don't care. Do you want them? He goes, yeah, I, I could use this stuff. 
I shipped up. It was probably 90% of it. He took some of it. He didn't want, um, shipped it up to him. We split the shipping costs done, gone. Didn't have to worry. So it was like, kept calling, calling, calling and found someone. He's like, yeah, I mean, I could use this stuff. We have to use it all the time, but I'm going to use it forever. I was like, right. I'll give you the Connexes with it. You know, he goes, perfect. So, so $820,000 problem solution turned out to be yeah. how much? Oh gosh, probably 4,500 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> but the cool thing about this is we can go back is I used that number in the bargaining rights to get rid of it. So that's how I got the property so much lower. Right. You so know, so major problem. Yeah. Amazing solution, but then also leverage. Yeah. So it worked out very nicely in my favor. Right. But I mean, here's the thing is there's situations like that in life for many people. They just don't go the necessary degree of effort. Yeah. Right. To, to actually achieve it. Right. Like, here's the thing. How many people talk to that person in Rotary, right? Where you might have seen them before or you know of them. So it's easier to go have a conversation with that person. Yeah. But there's some people who are like, oh, I don't really know that person. I'm not going to go talk to them. Right, right, right. right. So they immediately uh, like stop that part of the process to be able to create that type of solution. And then you talk to them and then they say no. Right. And so how many people hang their head after that? Right. They just shut down. And they're like, oh, you know, and then they stop. Right. And then they they're lazy and they'll just go maybe pay the price or just do whatever they need to do or do something wrong to get rid of it. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, well, let me who do you know? Yeah. Then you call that person. Yeah. And that person was like, I don't have it. But then you had the the gall to be like, "Okay, who do you know? Right. Right. How powerful is that question in your life? Who do you know? Oh, yeah. It's it's not what was that quote I heard? It says it's not. It's not what you know, it's how many phone numbers you have in your pocket, like in your phone. Like, right. who do you know? That's literally the best thing for business is like, I know this guy. I know this guy, you know? I mean, legitimately, I started this podcast to educate people that relationships are the most important currency in our world. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it could be a relationship you don't even know, mm -hmm. right? But you have to have the ability to go pick up the phone and call, right? Mm -hmm. And I consistently encourage people to stop scrolling their phone and pick up their phone, yeah. right? Like phone call should be first, right? Like yeah. I can't tell you how many people in a situation at work, they want to email someone to try to fix the problem. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> pick up the phone and talk to them. If in best, if you can get eyeball to eyeball, get into person yeah. and tell them, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it made me think of like you talked about like a mistake, right? And owning that mistake and don't lie, don't hide it, don't cover it up. Um, when we were moving out of our place in Eagle River, I had to get the tub refinished to like make it look nice before we sold the home. Mm -hmm. And the guy did a great job. But when he was putting his equipment away, he spilt this like lacquer for the tub mm. all over our master bedroom carpet. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, that's probably fumed <laughs> you out. That's some real volatile stuff, man. But not only that, but it just ruined the carpet. Right. Right. And I just have to say, like, I will go to him and refer him forever because he owned the one thing that you say is just own it like, yeah. and get out in front of it. Right. Because I think a lot of people in that situation, they're like, oh, my gosh, this person. But like, yeah, he screwed up, but he owned it and he paid for it. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, we actually ended up using that dividend to get a better price on the house because we used to negotiate it down. But then we knew a carpet person and got five times cheaper for the carpet install. So I got back the, you know, nice. the 80% that I didn't. So again, the similar thing That's is awesome. like where you took a problem, you use relationships, you mm -hmm. press through it mm -hmm. and you didn't like let it beat you up. Right. right. Yeah. You seem to be like, and you know, ec extremely optimistic, 
in life? Like to be, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Is there, was that a trained skill? Was that something that's always just inherently been you? That's I, my mom. It's my mom. My mom is such an optimistic person. Like she just breeds it off you, just happiness and optimism. And yeah, I mean, my parents and my dad too. But yeah, no, I didn't mean to cut you off short there, but there's no other answer to it except that's just how I was raised. That's how my parents are. They're yeah. just very happy, optimistic, just like always thinking positive. My mom, it's a stereotypical. My mom's a person, if you don't have something nice to say, don't say it at all, you know, or if someone cooks it, it's just the way you like it, you know? So like, that's just how my parents are. Right. But like, I mean, I'm wondering what you think. Optimistic. I mean, there's lots of studies to show that optimism is a benefit in life mm-hmm. versus pessimistic, right? Mm-hmm. Do you have any examples in life where your optimism just pushed through in a way that you're like, well, really glad that happened. Yeah, well, I would. I'm going to twist it and go to the pessimist side. That I've been around so many people that are like that that will just drag you down. Right. It takes you that way, and so that is that has been super powerful. Like noticing that because it's ter- Like I will feel terrible when I'm around negative people that only have bad outcomes. Mm-hmm. I will be like, I can't be around these people. Mm-hmm. This is going to take me down, and so I just cancel that out. But um. I mean, yeah. I mean, when you think about it, it's everyday stuff, being optimistic about it, you know, just being appreciative of being on earth, having a beautiful wife that takes care of me, having two very healthy kids, you know, just think about those little things that you always take for granted that are, that really make your life what it is. Right. So pessimistic people, that's a good point. You know, something I talk about a lot is some of five, right? The people you spend time with are are the average, right? You Mm -hmm. know, income, politics, health, Mm -hmm. the people you spend time with. It's pretty hard for someone to be super healthy and fit if they spend around a lot of time that are really sedentary and not active, right? I mean, it's, it just doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. So have you had people that were pessimistic in life that you chose to just distance yourself with that were close, like friends, family, old people? Like, did you ever have to go through that? Or this people that you just noticed and were able to already stick away from those people? Um, not so much of my family. Um, friends in college, kind of, I would say. Yep. The biggest one is is past employees mm. who I would I was just lingering on because they were such good painters, but it was draining me how negative and mad they were all the time. Yeah. It's it's awful. Like it's it's so much. I was I, I was thought it was like, how much energy are you spending just to be that mad all the time? Right. It's crazy. It's like, yeah, I would say there's some past employees. I won't say their names, but holy cow, no, they're awful. Um, that goes into, you know, I, this is so random, but I have to go back to it because yeah. I did want to ask it earlier. Is, is in the character, in when you're hiring people, you've picked really good people. Have you had any duds? Have you had misses? Mm. Did you have, do you, have you had any people that you, yeah, your gut maybe was just a little off and then after it, you're like, ah, that wasn't it? Yeah, no, I I had one where is weird. I didn't have any feeling. I was like, I don't feel bad, but I don't feel great about him. I was like, I'm gonna try him out. And he was a complete dud. Um So what's your philosophy there when you got someone, you know, and how do you do that? Do you move quick? Like, do you try to do everything you can to coach them? Like, how do you move off someone that's, you know, an employee that you know isn't a good fit long term? Right. And and as you know, as a boss, you have to put your trust in your people. Right. You have to. Um, I've, and I've talked to my leads. We have, we have meetings together with my leads and everything. And they're, um, and I said, I was like, 
I should have fired those people a lot earlier. So that's my new analogy is I have to fire faster. I mean, as mm-hmm. much as that sounds ruthless, but a bad employee will cost you so much more money than you think. Right. So much more money. So I'm going to, and I'll give them, I'll give them opportunities, but how many opportunities is where I'm like, okay, stop. Right. I have a checklist, right? So one of the things on my checklist is, do I feel confident I've done everything I can? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, which an extreme optimistic that might be hard to come up with because you could always maybe think of new things. Right. But if I am going to have to go through that really uncomfortable situation, I'm going to feel good that I did everything I could. Mm-hmm. But then the second thing is, is like you're good employees, right? I think a bad employee hurts good employees oh, 10 yeah. times more than anything else, yes. right? No matter how poor their performance is, no matter how much they're creating problems in the business, the other three or four employees that are watching that bad employee, mm-hmm. That that's the killer yes. right, for business and leadership. Hundred percent. And if if you see that, you have to protect that more mm-hmm. than anything else, mm-hmm. right? And you're right; you have to move fast, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I've unfortunately we've been in situations where we hired people and moved off people in less than thirty days. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, it is what it is. I mean, like I don't mean to sound ruthless about it, but it it can it it can it can be cancer for a company. It can, but you know, I. My perspective is, is as ruthless as it is in that one person situation, one, that could be a great, great learning lesson for them, really, yeah. being fired, yeah. especially quickly. But then two, like you have 24 employees that you have to pay, that they're putting food on their table, they're paying rent. Mm-hmm. Like that's too important to me to have this one person ruin that for the other Absolutely. 24. Amen. Absolutely. So I, I don't see that as being ruthless. I just the common good of the team that is reliant on me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have to protect that. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. And so that's that's very optimistic. I mean, that's very good. I, I've <laughs> been known to be optimistic yeah. myself. You know, uh, the phrase I use a lot is like, I don't care if the glass is half full or half empty. There's too many people dying of dehydration. So drink the cup drink and stop, the wa- and stop complaining. <laughs> yeah. Drink the water and stop complaining. You know, and so I'm a pretty, you know, I am optimistic, but I'll be very, you know, sometimes, especially as a, a team grows or a business grows, is you have to be grounded too, mm-hmm. right? You know, you could get your head too much in the clouds. Right. And I've seen it happen, right? And that's just from my personal experience in business. Yeah. So I guess, you know, some questions that I always like to know just from like a totally random state is, is, you know, if you're 34, you're 35, we're, we're in a stage of life where we're rapidly realizing that we're getting older. Mm-hmm. I always want to know if you look back, not to say that you would change anything, but if there was one thing you could go mentor a younger self you know, an 18, a 19, a 20 year old, what would that be? It doesn't have to be you. It's just someone else that's trying to do what we're doing. Wow. Yeah. That's a good question. Um, man, I'd probably say a couple of things. The big thing is to find a mentor a lot younger to find someone who, like I said, has gone through all these hard times already that can push you in the right direction so you don't have to go through, you're going to have to go through hard times, but it can be a lot easier and you can skip a lot of them on the way too. Mm-hmm. Um, finding a mentor would be really big. Um, you know, if I was a lot younger, I wouldn't take some weekends and, and some weekdays for advantage. Like slow down, really soak it up. Every stage of my life has gotten better though, like hands down. Like I had so much fun in high school with all my friends. I went to college. It was a blast. And then I came back and had a family and now got married. That was the best thing. And now I have two kids. Every single stage has gotten better, right. you know, and it's so exciting to see what the next ones bring, you know, but um, finding a mentor, 
slowing down, just appreciating, just be happy. You know, you're, we're, we're on this earth for a very short amount of time. Right. Don't be negative, mad. Just let it, if someone's negative, mad around you, just don't be around them. Shrug it off. Don't let them bring your energy down and just be happy. Yeah. No, I love that. How big of a role does your Chelsea play into Campbell painting and oh, the success yeah. there? My right hand man. Right. Like, you know, she, a lot of people think about business owners, it's just them, but really it's our, it's our partners that's coming, going through with us. She's there when we're negative in the bank account. She's there when we're doing really good in the bank account. She's there when I'm laying on the couch being like, I don't think I can do this anymore. And then she's there when I'm jumping up and down when we just got our biggest job of the year, you know, it's, so they go through the emotional roller coaster too, right. you know? And so just the fact that someone's there by your side and trusting you and there and loving you is, is everything. Yeah. Single biggest decision you make in your life, right? Is your spouse. Oh yeah. There's no greater decision. No. Like, I mean, you could say having your kids. Yes. But like the choice you make in life. Yeah. Your spouse. Oh yeah. I agree with that. What are, I mean, you know, I see you and Chelsea, you guys are crushing it. I mean, she's successful in her own right. You mm -hmm. guys are both movers and shakers. What are some of the, like the, the life lessons that you guys have learned to grow this legacy that you guys are growing? What are some of the, like, you know, Chelsea and I have mantras, right? Like things that we repeat to ourselves. We hold each other accountable in ways that mm -hmm. make people feel uncomfortable. Like we've legitimately, like we play volleyball together, right? And we had this one girl who's like, I don't like how you guys call each other out. It makes me feel uncomfortable. I'm like, <laughs> it's how we hold each other accountable and push each other to grow, right? So, yeah. you know, it, I'm sure you and Chelsea have those, yeah. right? What are some of those things that you could share with people? Um, our biggest thing is, well, we, one thing we say to each other is so much of marriage nowadays is a competition. So our marriage isn't a competition. It's a partnership. Mm -hmm. It's you and me versus the world, you know? So um, that's that's really what's just popping in my head. We, we don't... Yeah. Um, we don't because we're in completely different. My wife's a doctor, so right. she, completely different <laughs> spectrums. Like she went to medical school. I mean, we knew each other in high school. She was in all the honors classes and I was in the average ones. So we didn't even know each other, you know, so it's like completely different spectrums. Um, but so we don't we don't talk a whole lot of business to each other. But that's our biggest thing. It's like. It's we respect no, each other, you yeah. know, that's it's respect and. I'm going to have some bad days and she's going to have some bad days, but it's not a competition. It's just me and her. Yeah. I mean, I always tell never keep a scoreboard, right? Right. Because like, that means you're competing. Yeah. Right. Which, I mean, if you're competing, you're going to lose, period. Right. Period. Right. Yeah. There's no winning in a competition. Right. right. Not to say that the wife always wins or the husband always wins. It's just like it doesn't work. Right. Right. Because you're only competing against yourself at that point. Mm -hmm. Did you guys go to the same high school? Oh, yeah. Diamond Links. Oh, yeah. We Diamond. actually went to junior high together. Wow. All the way back, Mears Panthers. I went there only eighth grade and I came from Northern Lights ABC and they always assumed everyone that came from there was smart. <laughs> and so, I mean, I, I'm not saying I'm dumb, but they, they're always very more intelligent people. So they put me in the really smart team and she was in there. So I had a couple of classes with her. But then when we got to high school, you know, I didn't, I mean, maybe we walked down the hall, but I never said a word to her once. Wow. Like I'm sure we and crossed. So after but, high school was when you guys. Yeah. Have you never heard this story? No. Oh man, this is this. Okay, I'll tell we it. We don't have to tell it. No, 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 no. We could no, tell it. Chelsea thinks it's hilarious. It's so funny. So we went down to the Pio. I still say I found my wife the good old fashioned way. I found her in a bar, but I knew her before. But Pioneer's Bar for yeah. everyone that doesn't know. Went down to the Pio, and Chelsea's sister came up to me and said, "I I really like your shoes. That's pretty cool." I'm like, "Oh, thanks." You know, I had a couple of drinks. I'm feeling all good. 
And so then uh, I go up to um, uh, Chelsea and I was like, hey, so you like my shoes? I got her and her sister mixed up and I was hit, I thought I was hitting on Sierra, but I actually hit on Chelsea. And Chelsea's like, excuse me? you I didn't say anything about your shoes. I'm like, oh. Panic. 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 <laughs> Can I buy you a drink? That's so, hilarious. Oh, my God. How many how many years have you been to get married? So December 2014. All right. Yeah. So that's, that was when we got married. So we're yeah, so it'll be eight years? Nine years. Nine years. This year. Yeah. Yeah. So nine years. That is awesome. It's a blink. Nine years, two kids, third one on the way. Oh, my gosh. I don't like money. I have three kids. <laughs> you do because you want to have the biggest <laughs> yeah. painting company yeah, in Alaska, yeah, yeah. you know, or Oklahoma, right? Maybe, yeah, maybe. Or, yeah, Maybe. So that's really cool. Well, I mean, is there anything else that you want to share? I mean, this has been phenomenal. You know, I don't have any other questions. I mean, I think you you really put it out there in a way. I'm really excited for, you know, my audience to hear you and hear that. I think I think that you shared a lot of good nuggets that are going to be great takeaways for them. Thank you. Um, I'd probably say my favorite quote, which is a kind of a little oh, aggressive. Sure. Yeah, there you go. Shut up and do it. Everyone talk, that, That's it. But everyone talks about doing something big. And they don't put any effort into it. Take action and do it. So, yeah. Yeah. Doing it is, it's an interesting thing, right? You know, I'm curious what your thought is on that because it's a great quote. I love it. Shut up and do it. I've always said that the person that is willing to not make the perfect plan, but just go, mm-hmm. will always go further than the person that's going to align out the perfect plan before they go. Absolutely. Right. You know, I think a lot of people, try to go about life making the perfect plan or doing it right exactly. And so they're like trying to ride a bicycle like with the pedals like even to the ground, right? But they're not actually pedaling. Mm-hmm. And you have to pedal and you have to move the steering wheel. And maybe you're not going to go in a straight line, but I can promise you you're going to go faster and further. Right, if you right? pedal. If, yeah. you just, if you just go. Right. Not even if it's the right direction. Right. Just as long as you learn from the wrong direction and then adjust and then it'll get you on the right direction. Yep. Awesome. Sounds great to end to me, so... Ben, thank you very much. Thank you, Ken. This is really cool. You make me feel like a celebrity, like I told you, huh? (laughs) Make me feel like I'm all famous. No, I mean, I just, again, like you, you have an extreme joy about yourself that I love. And so like, that's what I admire. That's why you got to come home. And two, seeing what you're doing at Campbell Painting, it's worthy of sharing, right? And I just think that this is just, you know, a step or in what you're going to do. And I believe you will be the painting company in Alaska, right? Thank you. I always think of a... I like I like movies. Like I don't know if you do too, but mm-hmm. Jack Reacher, Tom Cruise movie. I don't know if you've seen that. I haven't seen that one yet. And they have this like thing, and so I, it's like, hey, he he works for the hardware store, and like it goes on later, and like he's like, well, what hardware store? And he's like, well, when you think of the hardware store, what hardware store do you think of? And then they go to this like giant thing, like you know. And so when you said that, it made me think of like you want to be known as the painter, yeah. right? So if someone's like, oh, the you know the painting guys are like you know that thing, it's yeah. everyone thinks of you, right? Right. That's what I'm going for. Right. I love it. I love it. So, all right, sir. I appreciate it. I appreciate so much. you, man. This is really cool. Yeah.